Righto! We're back in Austra Australia with Russell Crower. <laughs> have we already talked about Yardley's new Outback on the show? I feel like we must have. <laughs> no. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. What did it... Let me guess. Did it take over the margaritas? No, that is somehow still margaritas. The still one bad chain margaritas. restaurant I've ever eaten at. Wow. Uh, no. Uh, um, is it Bonefish? No, that's also still going. Um, still there. It's where uh, Old Country Buffet used to be. Old Country Buffet. Ooh, so I was close, right? Yeah, uh, same area. Yeah, yeah. Um, right across a skip, hop, and a jump from the. Uh, you'd get you'd get hit by a car, and you'd probably die if you tried to go from Bonefish to uh to Old Country Buffet. I remember that was the one restaurant that whenever we drove by, my parents would be like, it's "Disgusting, Old Country mm -hmm. Buffet." That is. But bonefish, <laughs> macaroni grill, everything else uh -huh. was fair game. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We, we'll eat a Chili's anytime, but the thought of like a chain right. buffet was just like, ooh. You gotta be kidding me. That's, it's funny because down here in uh, in Texas where I'm, I herald from, the it's all Cracker Barrel. You can't find uh -huh. an old country buffet. I'll say I was like decidedly unimpressed the one time I went to Cracker Barrel. I, I I'd heard so much about it being just like the best, like you know, uh, the the best, really? you know, high caloric breakfast you can get at a chain restaurant. Really great, mm. like potatoes and such. It's fine, you know. Probably not worth the shame I felt. <laughs> I feel like when people don't have anything to say about something, they just say it's either the best or the worst. So it's uh -huh, just kind yeah, of a the, coin yeah. toss. Uh -huh. Right, there's there's no there's there's centrism in anything is just really a fucking zero sum game. If you're not <laughs> to be if you're not going balls to the wall about chain restaurants or uh, uh -huh. Russell Crowe's yeah. filmography, you're uh, right. Which well, brings us to uh, the movie we're talking about today. If you can get, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little quiz out for the people listening that haven't uh, looked at the title of the episode they're about to watch. Um, this movie was, came out in 2014, and that's a big hint. I know there's, there's a lot, but, you know, kind of a narrow field for stuff we would talk about. It's a drama, which, oh. you know, we talk about dramas on here. That's my favorite genre, the drama. What about you, Bennett? What's your favorite genre? Uh, big genre, big, big drama head, honestly, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me too. And this one... I'll get okay. I'll give you a hint. Uh, it's written by a guy. <laughs> let's say you had two people, two two front men of the band Fish. Bennett, what would you have? You would have two. Uh, you would have two Anastasios. <laughs> two Trey Anastasios, and um, funny enough, the co-writer of this movie's last name is Anastasios. So I don't know if that's a misspelling or it's his Frank. It's it's uh, Trey Anastasio's brother, Andrew Anastasios. So I don't know. I'm gonna give everybody. Do, 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 do. Okay, time's up. The Water Diviner. What is the uh -huh. Water Diviner? Is the movie we are talking about today? Directed by the one and only Russell Crowe, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone's that's favorite right. beefy baby boy. He is a thick man. He's dense, densely packed. Well, he's always been um, kind of like a husky guy. This movie, though, seems yeah. to have come out kind of right in the window between when he went from thick with two C's to thick with a CK. 
you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of like a bowl of oatmeal that's thick like me. Yeah, I mean, I guess he has gotten much older. He's probably only like 55, though. Yeah, Let's he see. still has a boyish charm to him. 55, exactly. Kind of like, wow, right in the... Uh... Wow, Bennett, Bennett. Sorry, sorry. Um, he's kind of... you. Yeah, I feel like he's the prime guy for like a a jean like a big big dude jeans commercial like he's not quite as like uh fit as brett Favre. like he's a little bit more tubular mm -hmm. but he's a real like man's man yeah actually i'm I, i'm honestly kind of amazed that russell crowe has never been in a movie for some sort of like rug or a, a commercial for some sort of rugged menswear i could yeah. see him in a pair of wranglers hell i'd like uh -huh. to see him in a pair of wranglers hey bennett <laughs> You're not you're not alone in that sentiment. We don't see him in a pair of Wranglers in this movie, but we do see him inexplicably showering with a little pair of like compression shorts on. <laughs> <laughs> was what was this rated like PG thirteen? Because there was a quite a few moments where, if I was in his position, I'd be like, man, this fucking sucks. But he was like, this this is dang heck. I think it's got to be R because there's a fair amount of gore. That's another thing. It's hmm. the thing I didn't quite oh, get yeah. about this movie is that it's like it's very much pitched like right down the middle. Like w would play well mm -hmm. with like I don't know kids and their grandparents. Real just kind of like middle brow entertainment. It's full of like dismembered limbs. Like, yeah, true. Ex <laughs> like bodies exploding and shit. It's uh, very mm -hmm. much the the Mel Gibson influence here. His his uh, fellow Australian actor turned director. Right, and I I think Bennett, you and I would agree when this when we say this movie is uh influenced by two directors and two directors only well and and an actor um can you so you named the first one mel gibson can you guess the second director yeah i think this movie i, I think one of the reasons we gravitated to it um and I, I think this shows that we were fated to have a podcast talking about these two people is that it reminds us of the if if you combined a movie directed by ron howard and a movie directed by mel gibson <laughs> It's it's very much this like grandiloquent labor of love that's you know mm -hmm. all altogether kind of self-aggrandizing, but has this I don't know bigger message that it's allegedly all about. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's it, but it's also just kind of beige, kind of uh, just right. straight in the middle of the plate. It points to a grand theme, but then the you f end up finding out that that grand theme is just like family. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, and it's just, it's it's a movie that's almost every line in it is a trailer line. Oh, you know? my God. Everyone says something oh. as if they not only have, like, the, the, the sheen of, like, historical import on them, but also uh -huh. they're speaking to a crowd of people in a movie theater <laughs> for what's supposed to be a, a, a tear-jerking line in a trailer. Um, let's see, I'll read some. Okay, here's here's a line that is uh definitely definitely smart. It's it's got a lot of a lot lot to it. Lieutenant Cole Cyril Hughes says, "What were you doing before the war?" And then Major Hassan says, "This is the Ottoman Empire. There's no such thing as before the war here, but in another life I was an architect." So, you're kind of getting a broader sense of the world. And very keenly, Trey Anastasio's brother is kind of sliding in some information about the history of the Ottoman Empire, giving you a sense of the people, mm -hmm. um, their saga. Um, is 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 uh, 
is Russell Crowe's name in this Connor? Um, yeah, I think it's like Connor <laughs> Andrew or Andrew Connor. Let's see. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a quote that's a uh, hopes a necessity where I come from. And I think if I'm assuming correctly, where he comes from is like ten, like five to ten miles away from where this movie takes place. Um, I guess he's from the outback. Yeah, I mean, in the in the movie, he's definitely like way out in the outback, and it again makes you wonder why he's bothering to put on those little gym shorts to shower in <laughs> to protect his <laughs> modesty. Um, my my knowledge of Australia in general is basically limited to um the episode of The Simpsons where they go to Australia. And uh, mm-hmm. I think there's one of those like Mary Kate and Ashley movies where they go to Australia. Which Mary Kate and Ashley movies have you seen? Um, I've seen bits and pieces of I think like I've probably every single one of them. My sister had them all on tape. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the directed video ones. I've never saw any of their theatrical. Yeah. Yeah. No, I saw the I saw New York Minute. I saw Passport to Paris. I saw Lips Are Sealed. Billboard Dad was big in my family. I think our lips are sealed is the Australia one. They're in like the witness protection program. I, they're not like in the witness. Mm. They are in the witness protection program. I remember the plot of this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, because the the, uh, the the opera house is behind them. Switching goals uh-huh. was a big one for us. Uh, to grandmother's house we go is a good one. Uh, a Christmas one. I didn't see that one. That's Ooh. when they're real. You're real young tots in that. There's one. actually <laughs> there's actually a really good. Um, kind of like who's on first bit in that movie where they're confused about the two, <laughs> fr- the two phrases no it actually reminds me of something that we said on this podcast which i'll elaborate on there's there's a bit where they're talking about holding up a store versus knocking down a store you know if you're robbing it good stuff good stuff <laughs> <laughs> i gotta i gotta hear the girls riff on that one. Oh no it's these two it's these two like old bank robbers that have kidnapped them or something oh damn yeah okay but uh, it reminds me of when you said he's really going to lay an egg, and I said lay an egg like have a cow or like actually lay an egg. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. You get it. Um, I Like, yeah, everything I know about Australian history is, is basically from that sort of thing. It's from I, Mary I, Kate and Ashley. I know, um, I know of the battle <laughs> Gallipoli, I guess, because it's in, in my I, I always assumed it was shorthand for massacre. You know, I, I thought it was a fairly uh-huh. one-sided battle, but I guess this movie makes it seems like it, right. it makes it seem like it was an all-around bloodbath. <laughs> this uh, this movie, if you didn't know anything going into it, they don't really, um, they don't they kind of hold your hand, but I think you need some backstory. Now, I know that not a single person here has seen this. If you look at a picture of the cover and maybe watch four seconds of the trailer you'll know exactly how it goes but i'll give you the rundown after the battle of gallipoli an australian farmer named connor russell crowe is devastated to learn that his three sons have been killed in the melee so he travels to turkey to locate and retrieve their bodies for burial while there he discovers the possibility that one of his sons is alive and being held as a pow four years after the battle of gallipoli oh yeah same thing so he goes to istanbul and uh meets a woman and her son and stays with them for a bit and then he has like some trouble with like local authorities um because they, they beat are, him with canes uh, 
They beat him with canes. They do very uh, like Middle Eastern country things to him. Which well, we I was gonna say to. this movie's um, treatment of like Turkey and its its evocation of like a guy traveling through Turkey. <sighs> it's it's analogous to the way. A Million Ways to Die in the West treats the tropes of, like, the Western. You know what I mean? Like, they should have called this A Million Ways to Die in the East. It's it's truly just, like, he has every fucking, like, if they went here on a sitcom, he did everything that the, the, oh my the God. Simpsons or whoever would do, you know? Right. They it, go to the Turkish Ishtar bath does at one better, point. <laughs> Ishtar does a greater service to uh, this the, the imaginary country they reference than Russell Crowe does to Turkey here. There's the scene where he arrives in Turkey for the first time, and it's like uh, this little boy is following around. I'll take you to good hotel, hot water, no Germans, and uh, steals his bag. And then immediately, it's like off to the races. Song comes on, it's like and he's um, uh, or it's a little more like. And uh, Russell Crowe, it's a little Connor, more than we've come to expect from Hollywood evocations of the region, yeah. <laughs> especially movies that have uh, Russell Crowe in them, he must have mm-hmm. been like, "I need that sound guy." <laughs> we, if I make this, we're doing it my way. Listen, I was in a movie called food. Body of Lies, first movie you'll remember that I gained weight for. I want the exact same, you know, <laughs> just sort of vague pan Middle Eastern music that you use for that. Yeah, uh-huh. thank you. Yeah. And uh, he, so he runs while that music is going. You can picture this. Everything is tan, and then everyone's wearing a red fez, the same exact color of red fez. And then he runs through like the streets of uh, Turkey, and you got people carrying Turkish rugs through the town. You've got uh, all the street vendors. You've got. Um, uh, craftsmen that are making, I don't know, pita bread on the side of the road. And like uh, every walk of life um, with these like panoramic shots of like the streets of Turkey to introduce us to uh, to what's going on here in this crazy country across the world. And then uh, we wind up in a hotel with uh, Aisha and her son Orhan. Orhan is the little fucker that stole Russell Crowe's bag. Ah, uh, but they learned to love. It. They they learned they uh they they patch things up. They learned to love each other. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, Aisha's they played by Olga Karolinko, who you'll remember from the James Bond film that you don't remember, uh, Quantum of mm-hmm. Solace. Remember that one? Yeah, she does look like a Bond gal. She's just got a kind of hot gal, hot lady look to her. That, that classic Hollywood <laughs> hot lady look. You know it. Hot, you know, I know it when I see it. Picture a hot lady. <laughs> um, I, I, picture... What... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I better stop myself. <laughs> um, I was going to I was gonna just to talk a little bit about Crow's directorial style here. Um, he really mm-hmm. just kind of employs, like, every trick in the book. It's almost like someone, like, experimenting with, yeah. like, the iMovie, like, transitions and, like, effects and stuff. Yes. Um, we get flashbacks to, I guess, well, okay, so you missed the crucial part of his backstory here. He's sort of mystical. Um, it's called the Water Diviner because he's <laughs> a farmer who can divine water with, like, divining rods and, and, and dig it up in wells, you know, and that, that's how he, like, irrigates uh-huh. his farm even though he's out in the uh, the arid outback of, of Australia. Sorry for the alliteration there, folks. <laughs> um, Bennett, listen. People come 
for something and they stay for another thing. So uh, don't worry about it. Yeah, they come for the bits and they stay for the hot takes. But um, he's there um. There you go. That's what I meant. <laughs> Not to be the CinemaSins guy, but he divines that water and uh-huh. then goes down into, like, that 15-foot well and is just, like, yipping and hollering in water that I think he was going to drink. Um, yeah. He just lets his whole nuts, ass, and balls soak in the water that he's supposed to drink. Doesn't even take it home or drink it. He just kind of digs a 50-foot hole. Water comes up out of the ground, and he's, like, he does the... Um, he does the thing in Gladiator when he's standing in the middle and he kind of goes into like a trance. I think this would be diagnosed now as some type of break with reality. It might be bipolar, but he just kind of goes, his eyes kind of daze off and he looks into the sky and then we get that like sun flare type of shot mm-hmm. and uh, get the, the weird yelling music. And um, so that's what happens when he digs the water up. Anyway. And he, he's having these sort of like, we're not sure if they're real flashbacks or if they're just like his perception of what's happened, all of these sort of flashbacks to his sons at Gallipoli. We're also getting these weird sort of impressionistic touches throughout. There's these like swirling sort of long um, like mm. skirts that we keep seeing. And he does all sorts of like dumb like visual parallels with that. Sorry to use such a, sorry to be so intelligent in my criticism as to call this effect dumb, but it's, it's fucking dumb. <laughs> I'll cut from like his windmill. To like these like swirling like um I, we're not sure if they're like dresses or uh just some sort of a robe yeah. or some sort of like long garment that we keep seeing like spinning so he's he's attached mm-hmm. to some sort of like higher power he's got some sort of like mystical farmer ability about him uh you know he doesn't even need the uh <laughs> farmer's almanac he just licks his finger and sticks it up in the air <laughs> remember that <laughs> classic bit people are always um, doing in cartoons uh-huh yeah yeah um he there's the scene there's there's multiple instances of just like uh just cinema sins as it were um where the editing of this is so bad this is shot by um academy award-winning cinematographer andrew lesney who did all the lord of the rings shit um Died in 2015, sad to say. Who, who uh, edited they this? Really, they were he, fucking he, asleep he, at the wheel. Yeah, he shot it, and then they must have paid some intern to edit it and just fucking chopped this movie to pieces because there's scenes where there's war happening, and they literally just stretch the image horizontally so everybody's very wide uh-huh. and then kind of cyclone it so you're just r- spinning like 360 degrees like the image has been stretched wide and is rotating and that is supposed to translate um i guess the craziness of war which we all have come to know uh. and enjoy here on real rap that must be what they mean by the classic, uh, I can never remember what the number is, Thousand Yard Stare. Um, a good example, too, of the editing, <laughs> just chopping this movie to shit, is there's that scene uh, kind of when the battle is really, like, taking a turn, and, like, all three of his sons uh-huh. are, like, injured, and they're all sort of, like, lying together. It's, like, nighttime. And it's this, it goes on for, like, minutes of, of basically just, like, everybody, like, all of, like, the dead and dying, like, like groaning, and, like, you know, like, bodies being carried mm-hmm. off and stuff. And it's really supposed to give me this effect of like how long they're like sitting there and just like the lingering horror of it all. And instead of lingering on like a single shot and I don't know, like forcing his actors to like do some acting in the frame and, you know, let the sound design do its work. We're shown this shot from like every possible angle. We're shown like pans across the <laughs> battlefield. We're shown these like long shots, not unlike the one in the refugee camp in Charlie Wilson's war. I mean, 
we're shown every possible <laughs> fucking view of this scene that's really just supposed to be communicating like duration and again like horror right <laughs> which kind of it's very much shows that uh the cinematographer probably got a bunch of shots and was like we'll do this a bunch of ways and then afterwards we'll cut it together and like see which one works best and then the editor was obviously asleep and was like all right, we gotta find a way to get all of these shots. Oh, fuck! It's like it's like all it's, it's all due tomorrow. He's got like a circle on his calendar. He's like, oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> if I do all Who of this, he can't this? He, he can't hate all of it. Um, <laughs> it just it speaks to it's it speaks to a um, not to badmouth the you know auteur director Russell Crowe. It speaks to a lack of like directorial vision. You know, what I mean? like he had nothing like storyboarded out or like planned out ahead of time. He, like, figured mm. he could create this in the editing room if he got, like, as much coverage Which, and as many different, uh, you know, right, a, right. many different types of coverage as possible. And instead, you know, finds out, well, <laughs> I, I guess <laughs> I guess part of directing is doing a little bit of planning. Right. And it's not that a great movie is one that's, like, explicitly planned, but one that is like this in that you have a huge team filming it and mm -hmm. uh, editing it and you know i don't know colorizing it this the weird color this whole movie has this movie is actually one that i think almost falls into the camp of being like a yellow movie but he really it there's a good contrast in, in like the blues and yellows like uh -huh. the the color guy was just good enough to save this from being another uh i don't know uh a, a crazy mind what's the ron howard movie a, a wonderful guy <laughs> uh a wonderful guy yeah the movie about john forbes nash yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I love that yeah one. thankfully there's a couple different like settings in this movie that have a, a more dramatically different palette like the istanbul scenes have a lot of like reds and browns yeah it keeps it from being mm. like a weird like a urine tinged movie like it could have been <laughs> um, keeps but it anyway i was gonna say sepia. right uh, to go back to my thought, when you have a huge team like this and it's pro like, and you don't plan it out, you end up having a movie like this, which is so chaotic and and the uh, the uh, the beats are so disparate that it just ends up being kind of a blur. Yeah, I mean, I like a messy movie. I mean, frankly, I prefer a messy movie to like an immaculately composed, uh, like you know, Kubrickian sort of a sort of a flick. I even like an incoherent movie mm. from time to time, but when it's a like a right. big budget, like uh, you know, ostensibly like stately, uh, and I'm using air quotes here, important movie, and it's this just sort of like jumbled, and mm. not in such a way that it becomes fun to watch. Then you know, then buddy, you're playing with fire, and you know what happens when you play with fire. Am I right, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you. <laughs> you get burned. Oh. Um, supposedly there's a movie, The Making of the Water Diviner, which was edited by the same guy. Was this like, um, just this like a the special feature of... on the DVD or was this like an HBO featurette? Uh, looks like it's just put on YouTube by the official channel for the Water Diviner movie. Let's see what other videos they have. The, I, this, this was a very like weird. This was the movie. There's there were some movies when I was in college. I was in like the film club, which um, they 
would there were certain studios that would send us uh tickets to like press screenings of movies and they were always the weirdest shittiest movies that obviously like just had a lot of money thrown at them this was one of them i had tickets to go see it and they were giving out hats for it i did have a water diviner hat for a bit um but i threw it out it was just literally like the aerial font that's in the credits for this movie it just said the water diviner um and that it always stuck with me because i knew i felt like i knew exactly what this movie was like which is why we picked it for this and this movie this move this episode is a buffer between what we're about to do which is going to be a lot more uh not like this (laughs) movie yeah season seven of real rap would be really something new consider this uh an acrid disgusting palate cleanser Speaking of, and I don't want yeah. to sound like the ugly American just, like, turning up my nose at, like, you know, other other customs and other ways of life. Did that coffee at the end not look like poop? Was that the point? It looked like the <laughs> sludgiest, most disgusting coffee I've ever seen in my life. I, well, do you know Tur- Turkish coffee? So it's, it's like mud. It's like true mud. Oh. <laughs> I, I guess cut like out this bit where I just show my shit. ass with my ignorance about what this coffee <laughs> is supposed to look like. I feel like you'd like Turkish coffee because it is just straight, like, bean water i think Mm. it's like gritty as hell um russell crowe directs this movie as if the only movies he's ever seen russell crowe directs this movie as if the only movies he's ever seen are movies starring russell crowe yeah right right or other failed oscar movies Uh, (laughs) the only Mm. movies he's ever seen are like a good year body of lies or just american (laughs) gangster or some other failed russell crowe oscar movies um yeah he he he's the uh, the guy who he's like i think imitation gang got robbed like when the one time he's asked to express an opinion about the, like the awards, he's like, you know, I think a few years ago, uh, there's a little movie called The Imitation Game, just fucking snubbed. Yeah, just fucking blew my socks off. And I don't say that lightly. Um, <laughs> and I'm wearing two pairs. Uh, I'm gonna go grab my banana bread real quick. So if you want to try out your Australian cool. accent, or sing a song, or fart. This now is the uh, take the stage. Time to take the stage. Yeah, I guess I'll work on my Australian accent a little bit here. I watched an accent video one time that was explaining um, how to do one, and they said a good sentence to practice to get you used to the particular vowel sounds, uh, particularly the way they differ from other kind of similar accents, as you should say. And and here here it goes. It's gonna sound bad. <clears throat> it's a dry run. Uh, I like that hat, mate. Oh no, bad. The mate there was okay. Uh, anyway, I guess I'll relate probably my favorite joke from the Australia episode of The Simpsons. Uh, so they're in a, a bar, and, um, you know, Homer, of course, orders a beer. I think they give him, like, one of those Foster's oil cans. Uh, shout out to those. And Marge goes, uh, I'll just have a coffee. And the guy goes, beer? And she goes, uh, no, uh, coffee. And he goes, beer. And then she goes, C-O. And he goes, B-E. Uh, it's good stuff. Um, oh, that episode, I believe it was riffing on what was kind of a contemporary news story at the time. Some American tourists had really like caused a scene in, in Singapore, and they were going to um, subject him to this kind of uh, what is in the West a controversial form of capital punishment. They were going to cane him, and it became sort of an inter- international scandal. Um, I believe this episode of The Simpsons is kind of riffing on that. Bart is uh, is called in front of like the court in Australia, and they're going to boot him, which is they're going to kick him with this really big boot. 
always always thought that was kind of a funny bit and it was only slightly later in life after watching I love the 90s that I that I learned um you know what that was riffing on it got me thinking that maybe we should put out like an annotated guide to real rap you know all of the seasons so you can sort of uh you can follow the references you know see 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 what it is we're uh you know what it is we're playing on when we when we go on our uh you know our trademarked riffs started the new job uh this week um you know, good good stuff there. Um, I'm working harder on being a good Samaritan, I think. Um, and before you ask, yes, I'm patting myself on the back. Shane, welcome back. <laughs> Bennett, I, I just I just caught the end of that. You're talking about good Samaritans. You know, I'm 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 glad you mentioned that because I really want to get back down to brass tacks, <laughs> and by brass tacks, I mean the New Testament here on this uh, episode of Real Rap. Because I feel like we've kind of strayed from the the true the one true path lately. Yeah, you could say that again. I won't. So, um, we didn't mention at the beginning that uh, Russell Crowe's wife drowns herself because she's sad about her dead sons. We're introduced to her by seeing her in the kitchen, and then she kind of exclaims and is like, find our dead sons! I'm sick of you! I'm sick of you just finding water all the time! Uh-huh. Um, and then he and then he wakes up, and she killed herself. And it's a scene right out of primary colors. It is the classic patented waking up with a start oh, yeah, because yeah, you yeah. know that something awful <gasps> has happened. <gasps> Which I realize yeah. also happens in The Missing, a movie not unlike this one. Do you remember when... Kate Blanchett mm, wakes with a start from that nap, happens. and there's like a wolf walking around in the house, and she finds out that they've, <laughs> they've been taken, they've been captured, they're now missing. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. They're the missing. All comes back to Ronnie, the titular. Little known, little known fact about the missing is that it's directed by Ron Howard, and it features three people that are in fact missing. Hmm. And the missing links to maybe uh maybe a more intri- maybe something uh maybe something's afoot there. I don't want to get too conspiratorial on here, but uh, maybe it's worth a second look. Anyway, back to the water diviner. It's uh, ostensibly a movie about not very much water or water divining. Uh, there's very very little of that actually. Yeah, he divines water in that one scene, and then he references it again uh-huh. once um, when they're in like the cistern in, in Istanbul. And he says, like, to the kid, like, I'll uh-huh. show you how we, I'll show you how you can divine water. And then the sound drops out because I know they were like, fuck, what are we going to have him say? I don't know. Uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a bunch of bullshit. I get lucky. I, I, Here's the a, secret <laughs> to divining water. It's. <laughs> the sound drops um, out and it goes into slow motion. It's truly like the Krabby Patty secret recipe. We just cut the credits. Oh, my God. I, I didn't notice that they actually just cut the sound because they do that at a few points. There's a part, there's an extended scene where I guess Olga and Russell Crowe are um, supposed to be falling in love, and it's just no, no audio. And it's just slow mo of them talking. And it's like. I mean, at least if if you're gonna do the montage of them falling to get, falling in love, don't just make it just like a scene of them talking, but in like slower motion. Do like different scenes of them splashing each other with water, or him like seeing her bend over at the sink. Um, not that this is what I want, but this is just what I come to expect. Or, and then it could go both ways. It could be sort of a it could be sort of a far and away situation when they're when when they're both looking at each other's like exposed oh. cracks. <laughs> 
<laughs> I miss I miss that movie so much. I, like that movie's take on on the on courtship was much better than this. Although Russell Crowe does admit that he uh, that he doesn't have a that he that his wife had to like force him to marry her or something that he is uh, that he's that he's no good at courtship. Uh, but yeah, no, we we get no lines of them falling in love. It's just like shown as like a given when he. I, it's, I guess the coffee indicated that some way. I guess the coffee was sweet, which he supposed to be uh, some way to indicate that like a a match is working out. Um. <clears throat> oh, I see. Um, it's like when the black smoke comes out of the Vatican. Ah, exactly. I think it's isn't it the white smoke that says exactly. they got a new pope? <laughs> right, right. The black smoke means um, Russell Crowe fell four more years. <laughs> You know, a guy like Russell Crowe, he's in all these movies with women that he falls in love with. You'd hate to be the guy's wife because, you know, you see him kissing on these women that aren't his wife. And his wife's probably at home. So she's probably standing on set say, tapping her foot saying, Russell, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Mrs. Crowe went up to uh, Olga after filming this and was like, you know, he might he might be kissing and hugging on your um, Turkish A star star now, or your French Ukrainian ASS now, but we'll we'll see who he comes home to. And that's kind of that's that's a little bit more of an inside scoop. We don't do that too. We don't do the more. We don't do too much of the celebrity inside scoop on this. We kind of focus on the movie stuff. But I thought I thought I would kind of. You know, I'm not afraid to to get into it with a guy like Russell because I know he can take it. He can dish it and he can take it. Ah, a little inside baseball, or <laughs> if we're mm-hmm. talking to an Aussie like Russell Crowe, maybe a little bit of inside cricket. Cricket. Doing the Letterman Pentos and uh... and yes, <laughs> um, one thing we were talking about before we got on the mic was this movie's um, whiplash of uh, of. Uh, pair of font choices the opening credits <laughs> have literally the fucking font from aladdin uh really elaborate it is opening jungle credits. book it is aladdin <laughs> yes it's fake arabic but in english it's like when it's like when it's like how to read chinese and then turn turn it upside down and it's just america it's just english and it says like fuck you but it looks chinese uh-huh Right, it, it's honestly exactly like that. And if, if I bet, it, and yes, I watched this movie on my phone, despite the fact that it was screaming out for a seventy millimeter projection. Um, I bet if I turned my phone upside down, it probably would have been some sort of message like that. But then, otherwise, when there are like the, the few kind of title cards and and kind of like you know scene setting cards that we get in this movie are typed in the most freaking tossed off like default setting font I could possibly imagine. It's literally like Calibri. Uh-huh. Like they uh-huh. blew the budget. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, the uh they they very obviously hired a guy or a gal for the opening credits and then very quickly you realize they didn't they could not afford that person for the end credits or for the part where it says based on a true story. They must have uh f- you know, couldn't have could, couldn't afford the hourly for him to finish up the job. So if you look at the credits to this movie, it l- looks like you typed something on Google Docs. Uh, yeah. And uh, I'll tell you what, man. This movie was about as entertaining as spending some time typing up Google Docs. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing the pen toss again. <laughs> pen toss. So to get back down Bennett to brass tacks. Okay, and I like doing that. I'm glad you said that, Bennett. 
<laughs> get back down to brass tacks. He he's got to go to Istanbul before he can go to Gall Gallipoli to find his son's bodies. And this is one of many instances <laughs> in this movie of what ought to be like a. And I'm not saying we need to see these full conversations in movies, but like, why introduce the conflict at all? It's one of like ten conversations we see in this movie where like what should be a serious like. No, I mean this is you know rules are rules. Sorry, buddy. Just ends up like the the he, thirty seconds of persistence from Russell Crowe, and they're like, yeah, fuck it. Uh, they write him like a permit to go to Gallipoli. <laughs> he gets to Gallipoli, but the the Turkish soldiers and Australian soldiers are now like the 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 kind of like the brass, the higher ups. No pun intended. I know I said we were getting back down to brass tacks, and now we're talking about military brass. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, yeah, they're they're yeah. going around like marking Thank graves you. and stuff. Ah yes, uh, no autographs. Uh, they're they're going around marking graves, and Russell Crowe like pulls up in like a rowboat by himself, and they try to like give him the boot, and he he he's there that night. So they're just like, well, fuck it, <laughs> nothing we can do. <laughs> um, literally, just because he doesn't leave immediately, they're like, well, <laughs> there it is, and then they chase him around for a while. What ha he's got some permit issues. He didn't get his learner's permit. He didn't have his learner's permit. Yeah, no. I mean, they he shows up at Gallipoli. They're like, "Yeah, you can't. You're 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 heading out on the next boat." And then he doesn't. Yeah. So they go around no, with real him. Real smart. Don't listen to the uh, government. Yeah, that's gonna get you real far, Russell Crowe. You <laughs> fucking <Yeah>. jackass. <laughs> Not following orders. <laughs> hey, buddy. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey. uh... A uh, word to the wise. Why don't you listen to a government official next time they give you a direct order, Russell Crowe? Hey. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's just say uh, Russell Crowe's not voting for the uh, CIA agent running for president. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> um, but they go around, they find two of his son's bodies, like, very quickly. And this is where I started to look at, like, the running time left in this movie. And I was like, okay, we're 40, in a, 40 minutes into this movie. Everything that's covered in the synopsis on imdb has happened yeah uh, what what could be next yeah yeah the uh, I, at the exact same timestamp from like 38 to 41 minutes i must have checked like all right where are we at like where we at? Where we at? three <laughs> different times uh -huh. i was like ah 40 minutes still got an hour and 10 minutes this is like an hour and 51 minutes and russell crowe there they were like you know it's probably gonna make a lot more money if you just do like an hour and a half and he's like no this is my movie. You, <clears throat> I'm I'm doing a long one. Mm -hmm. And I am the one that needs to tell this story, okay? No, we don't need to get an actual director in here. <laughs> That's what we got me for. Um, How long was Master... <laughs> Master and Commander was two, two hours and eight. I, he must have observed, like, he must have, honestly, it must have been Master and Commander that gave him the bug, honestly, that, that, that put in his head, like, I just, I gotta fucking direct. <laughs> you gotta wait 12 years to direct um i wonder if he had any like aborted projects i wonder if he had any stuff like stuck in development hell i wonder or, this this, no, this like honestly reeks for me like the sort of thing like he'd never wanted to be a director and then he saw this script and was like that well that's how it's presented is that they he was gonna do the movie and then he's like well i have to direct it mm -hmm. Was it a situation where the director dropped out? Was it like a Ewan McGregor American pastoral situation? Um, Reference no one will understand. I have, I have a feeling, I have a feeling just based on the credits and the way this whole thing is cut together that there was one team 
And then there was another team. Mm-hmm. Whether or not Russell Crowe figures into the first or second half of that, I don't know. But there's definitely a division in this movie that uh, mm-hmm. you can kind of see when you watch it. Let's just say some dots went unconnected. <laughs> the way that act- actually, I re- just want to point out the way that he falls in love with this Turkish woman, while his wife, mind you, barely cold, <laughs> is that he splashes some water on her and her son in like when they're in the uh, in that underground lair, mm. and then instantly it's just like boom, they're in love. Did you, are you, were you like me in that you anticipated the fight they were going to have coming? You're like, they're going to have a fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I felt like I could anticipate every beat of this movie. And it's also just the most, like, by the, it's such, every line in this script, we've talked about scripts before, you know exactly what someone's going to say. We find out that um, Aisha's husband has died and she is, like, arranged to be married to her, I guess, is he still her brother-in-law if her husband is dead? Her ex-brother-in-law. They're, they're arranged <laughs> to be married, and basically Russell Crowe walks in on them in a fight and, like, roughs the guy up. And then, like, his, like, every line as he's, like, apologizing for that situation is just so bad. He's, like, I, he literally says, like, I thought I was doing the right thing. <laughs> like, it's like, what, did I write this? <laughs> and that's when he gets, like, beaten with canes out in the street. <laughs> that's when all of the anti, like... Turkish Middle Eastern men as a whole shit comes out. It's like they beat women. They're a clan of just rabid guys that all get together and just hate people. And uh-huh. and they have they have barbaric tendencies against their wives. That was when it felt like we were um, watching a movie from like 2003. Yeah, it felt like we were watching a very yeah. like um, immediate like uh, like immediate like post 9-11 like bush era sort of like uh, <laughs> alarmist text yeah right which a lot of this borders on but russell crowe can he 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 he's he's not afraid he he knows when he's gone too far so immediately after they show all this stuff that portrays the men negatively it shows them in this very like brotherly fashion all singing together also uh-huh. underground um and having like a it's like well, you know, they beat women, but it is their culture. And then they've got this other part of their culture that's just fascinating, where they all sing in weird tones that are so exotic. I've never heard them in my life. And it's a guy uh-huh. underground being like, <gasps> I like that the brother-in-law, too, is like a literal mustache-twirling villain. Like, you could have predicted from a, a second into the movie, like, oh, he's he's going to get in a fight with Russell at some point. He's going to... This this isn't going to end well. Yeah. Um, They're like two rams on the edge of uh, the Matterhorn. And that's when, he, that's when he... Well, I guess he also kind of, like, lets himself off the hook from the, the negative stereotypes, too, by having, like, the one... I mean, there are a couple of... I'm using, like, big air quotes here, like, good Turkish characters, um, including uh-huh. most notably Major Hassan, who he sort of becomes friends with after meeting him on Gallipoli and who, like, gets him out of a bunch of jams. Um, mm-hmm. They spend time in the in the Turkish bath. I mean, that's what we were talking about, how this is, like, truly, like, the all of, like, the beats you would expect from, like, a sitcom family goes to Turkey. Um, right, yeah. There's, National like... National Lampoon. National Lampoon's... Uh, Turkey time. Turkish <laughs> <laughs> Thanksgiving um, Turkish. 
There's like a chase through the city with like a bunch more like fuckboy parkour because they're gonna like send him back to Australia. <laughs> oh, he finds out that his son is like maybe a POW and he has like a dream where he like sees his son for sure. It's where it gets like really like mm-hmm. mystical and I guess it's supposed to be maybe I, I guess maybe we can say they're like fairy tale elements because we're, we're made to understand that he's sort of <laughs> Russell Crowe's character has like always like read his sons like the Arabian Nights so maybe he's it's funny he must be so jazzed to find out that he's walked into like a fucking like stereotypical version of the middle east after after reading like the original for for so long so obsessively um uh-huh this is uh, this um, is where I, I ended up watching the movie on like two times speed this last like half an hour so the intricacies of like what's going on when he's trying to find his son are a little lost on me i guess they get stopped by a bunch of like greek soldiers Uh yeah, I didn't I didn't understand that. I thought it was Australian soldiers and I thought he was fighting against his own people. Well, they mentioned that he's on the same side as them, but according to the Wikipedia summary for this, I guess they were Greek. You know, I don't you really hear them say anything. Um he hits them all with like a cricket bat. Again, you know that's like being set up as like some sort of like Chekhov's gun sort of thing like, well, that's <laughs> someone's mm. going to get some use out of that, baby. Because they're like on the train, really uh-huh. palling around. It's like a real goes from culture clash to a culture uh, coalesce. I don't know what's a word that starts with C that means come together. <laughs> um, and they start playing cricket on the train, uh, and then of course you know gotta break some heads. Yeah, how about when? The, how about the way they portray the Greek guys? Real dirty looking. Uh huh. Yeah, truly, like something out of like uh, like out of straight out of war propaganda. Honestly, had we ever gone to war with Greece, I think that would be sort of how they would be depicted. Um, right. I think. I, uh, I I feel like when I was in the Wizard of Oz and I played, I was in the Wizard of Oz play when I was in f- fourth grade, and I was a farmer, I think, and I had to do my own makeup, and I was like dirt on my face i'll put dirt on my face and that's basically what they did for um this the greek character i'm just imagining you going out in full blackface (laughs) (laughs) what (laughs) what i'm a farmer i've been in the field all day i'm dirty um yeah i yeah um they, uh, I guess they escape from these Greek soldiers. Uh, he and uh, General Hassan drink some ouzo out in the sun. Probably wonderful. Mm. It's just this hot ouzo on a hot just a day. Hot ouzo. ouzo th- I, it smells thick. Ugh. Really, just <laughs> so, <laughs> the least refreshing yeah. thing I can imagine. <laughs> uh huh. Um, I would like to. I, I I was mentioning this to you, Bennett, and I. I'm putting this out there because I don't know if it's... I, I kind of feel like Kylie Jenner when she said, uh, I feel like this is the year of realizing things, uh-huh. where her frontal lobe was probably coming online that year, and she uh-huh. was like, everybody's everybody's kind of like realizing things. <laughs> it's like, well, yes, and your brain is just firing up, so you're realizing things, <laughs> and it, pe- people have been realizing things for a long time. Anyway... I feel like Russell Crowe has such a uh, strong grasp. He had such a strong grasp on my eighth grade mind, like 14-year-old mind. And I thought he was basically the cream of the cream, Mm -hmm. um, or in French, creme de la creme, of acting and 
and filmmaking and all the movies he was in, like Master and Commander, was like, wow, like this is like the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I feel like his from this from seeing this movie, it seems like he is under that same understanding that he has only made great movies and if he at least just makes something that looks like those movies it's going to be great too but like i've grown up and i've come to realize like master commander is just like an ex it's like a flashy exciting movie with nothing really to it but i feel like he hasn't grown out of that Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't know if he's just making movies for dumber people or if he himself has such an underdeveloped sense of art and art appreciation and like what makes a good piece of art that like he is kind of stuck in my eighth grade brain did everyone think master and commander was good when it came out and that oh people still love that movie of the prestige crow movies you're referring to specifically, I think that's probably the best one. I mean, the other ones are what? An, a, a Wonderful Guy, I keep... Glad I Ate That. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. What else? What are, I, uh, oh, I really like The Insider. Have you seen The Insider? One, his first Oscar nominated role. Um, I, I saw it a while ago. I, I, I was looking for it for forever because I couldn't get the DVD anyway. And then I saw it years and years ago. But no, I know what you mean. I mean, he was uh, he was kind of the guy for a certain sort of um, like important sort of picture that's also appealing to like I don't know like young men. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean the the whole movie plays like like fucking Mad Libs for like two thousand four through like two thousand nine Oscar bait crap. You mm-hmm. know, uh, it, it really yeah. it, it's like it was designed by like an AI that had been programmed through those movies. <laughs> it does. It seems like a very powerful. Indian guy who never came to the U.S. but only watched American movies made what he thought was going to, like, tried his damnedest to make an Oscar-winning movie. Uh-huh. And I only say that because this movie actually comes off like a Bollywood movie and that it's so expansive and so, like, surface level with all of its, like, melodramatic love interests and, like, mm-hmm. uh, like palling around and uh, and literal, like, musical scenes that they break out into yeah and it's in its um in its sort of um not to use the word buffet three times in one podcast but in its sort of (laughs) buffet style it does have a little bit of everything it's not nearly as fun but um yeah i i i I, it's one of the movies that really tries to please everyone and have something for everyone and it just ends up kind of having nothing for anybody uh another Mm -hmm. return to the kind of ron howard uh sort of uh what would you call that the ron howard sort of feeling that Ugh, I guess this is supposed to be down the road, but it really just feels like I get hit by the pitch, you know? Uh-huh. Oh, I just mixed metaphors there. I meant down the middle, not down the road. <laughs> Ooh. God knows I hate to mix metaphors. <laughs> you know, my new boss has never listened to a minute of a podcast. Wow. I literally was like, it's like saying you've never eaten. It's like saying you've never drink like drank water before. <laughs> Truly, like I can't even. It's that like that. Yeah, that is that's close to like me. Someone not knowing what a hot dog is. Uh huh. Right. It's like it's like something like that. Right. It's maybe not quite like something that's like an element for survival. But like, yeah. I mean, like I was like I I listened to ninety minutes of podcast before I got into work today. Like, <laughs> right. Right. I can't imagine yeah. life without a stream of audio. <laughs> 
Anyway, rate, subscribe on iTunes, folks. Um, this movie's like closing title card really confirmed all of my suspicions that it thinks of itself mm. as like an exceedingly important mm-hmm. movie. It like, it, yeah. it, not that posthumously seems like the wrong word, but it's sort of like, it sort of retroactively dedicates itself to all of the people ruled like lost or missing uh, during World War One. Oh my God, the this is. M- there's one movie that pops into my head of being the worst offender of that, and that would be Wind River, a movie about, I guess, like spies. <laughs> and uh, it's like a slick action movie that's not really about Native Americans, but Native Americans have a place in it. And then movie ends, and uh, totally out of left field, it just comes up as like a statistic about like sexual assault against native americans and there's oh, like, you, yeah you were talking about that yeah. scene at one you, you were saying after and... this movie that's been full of like lascivious like awful depictions of like sexual assault it gives you this like grave hmm makes you think sort of title card as if just again to put this like <laughs> sheen of like importance as if this movie wasn't just like crass exploitation the entire time yeah right, that's a taylor right. sheridan joint which he's he's one of the ultimate like dumb smart i don't know if i should say smart dumb guy or dumb smart guy and I, 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 there is mm. probably a difference there's probably an important distinction there but he's really like sort of a mm-hmm. like a like a rootin tootin guy who like fancies himself like a thinking man's cowboy you know what i mean right and his group of friends that all had this same four thoughts he was the one that just painted himself as the smartest one mm-hmm. he was the me or uh <laughs> <laughs> or the me or the i was gonna say or the you but i didn't want to uh i didn't want to put you on blast immediately so so soon after putting myself on blast uh-huh hey uh-huh does it stink in there uh-huh <laughs> oh man but anyway um as, as we mentioned they uh you know olga karolinko's character and uh russell crowe's character do find love at the end uh and then it's like an immediate like cut to black so this has all been about this like love story and i oh i guess he mm-hmm. gets his son back too and they return to istanbul um no word and if they're returning to the farm um not that i'm someone who really cares about like <laughs> this sort of like cinema since uh what happened to the dog sort of stuff but like what happened to the dog he was like walking around with what just, the like, fuck is gonna back. happen with the dog <laughs> <laughs> been gone for yeah. like months no one's no one is there just out in the outback yeah, yeah. by itself <clears throat> not gonna divine water himself this guy's divining water he's got a fucking lake right next to his house that his wife drowned herself in guy's got a wife and three kids and he finds time to divine water god we should all be so lucky (laughs) (laughs) ladies and gentlemen it's been a true pleasure i appreciate you listening i look forward to having you on the upcoming season which will uh start next week i hope should we announce it it might be a one break in between there. Um, but you can find more episodes like this on splittoothmedia.com, um, on patreon.com slash realrep, and you could find Bennett on Twitter at Bennett Glace. You could find me on Twitter at Ovasanyase. And uh, uh, what else can people do? Probably uh, if you want a sticker, reach out. We got stickers now. Yeah, we got stickers. And you know what else people can do? They can take a long walk off a short pier. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I wouldn't recommend it, but, you know, try everything once. That's always the type of guy that I've been. 
What do you think he was talking about when he said, uh, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that? Ah, uh, vote for Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ka-ching. Have a good evening, everybody. Thanks for listening. I will talk to you all in hell. Did you want to announce the director for season seven? Or? Yeah, and I, th- I. Th-